And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise... You can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen here on the post-game edition. The presenting sponsor for today's episode of State of the Nation is Visa, a network working for everyone. And Sunday night... It was a chance to make a statement, and a statement was made by the Raiders. They are not ready. They were not ready for the Chiefs on Sunday night. They do not look like they are ready to make a run at an AFC West title. And despite us all coming on this podcast earlier, just a few days ago, and predicting, yes, the Raiders are going to make the playoffs, we sit here few days later and, and and i think we might be revising that prediction um this was an embarrassing loss a terrible loss uh, a lopsided loss every adjective you can think of they looked terrible on sunday night and the chiefs took it to them 41 to 14 this team that we've been saying how oh, they, they they look like they might be falling apart vic vic was done with them he, he said the chiefs were done Patrick Mahomes, over 400 yards, five touchdowns. The Chiefs looked pretty back on Sunday night. Yeah. Did they, though? I don't know. Was that more of the Raiders <laughs> than the Chiefs? I'm, really, I'm, not, I'm still not sure how to process this game. Um, I picked the Raiders to win. I thought they were going to win big. I thought they were, they were in a great spot. The Chiefs' uh, offense was uh, really, really bad just a week, a week ago. I don't know. I have a lot of questions. I, I, I asked myself some of them in the story I just filed. I have more. I'll ask you guys. So, um my first one is for, for Ted. I'm wondering, I, I don't know if he has a telestrator going. He's marking down the X's and the O's and the, the TV screen. But did Gus Bradley not do enough of what other teams had done against the Chiefs? Like, and the other teams had gone with two high safeties. I think Gus kind of stayed with his old cover three thing. I wonder if that, if that was a mistake. I couldn't see from the screen, but they showed one time they were playing cover two. But whenever there was a replay or a noteworthy play, it was definitely cover one. But I don't know if they were playing a lot of cover two and then there were times where they got frustrated because Mahomes was, you know, being patient and ended up going back to cover one. That's when some or, you know, single high safety. And that's when some of those big plays did happen. But, uh, you know, I I think there were enough examples of them playing single high safety to say that they definitely weren't doing what other teams were doing because teams were playing too high 90 percent of the time against this against Kansas City, uh, you know, so uh, I, don't, I definitely don't think the Raiders are doing it 90% of the time. Being at the game, I mean, they were mostly in their single high safety front. 
and according to True Media, they only had nine snaps when they, when they were in a too too high look in this game, and so they pretty much just just stuck to their guns. I mean, coming into this game, you know, the Raiders they had played the least amount of too high in the league, and, and so it wasn't all that surprising to see it. I think more of the issue, um, even though the Chiefs did have some some explosive plays downfield, it was um, you know cover three by design that gives up those underneath receptions and. Um, that's been fine for the Raiders this season. Like they've given up a pretty decent completion percentage, but they've limited teams yardage-wise because they've been able to rally to the ball and make tackles. I think coming into this game, they'd only missed eight percent of their tackles, and I'm pretty sure in this game it'd be much more higher than that. I mean, whether it was Travis Kelsey or, or other guys after the catch, I mean they were just boun- bouncing off of Raiders uh, defenders. They could they couldn't bring them down, and that, that led to a lot of extra yardage they probably could have prevented. And, um, I think we saw a really patient game from Mahomes early on. He took a lot of those underneath passes and a lot of his receivers to make make yards after the catch plays. And um, then as, as things started to open up later in the game, he got some of those deep shots going. And so he kind of did what you know we hadn't been seeing him do and his Chiefs offense do all year long, which was stay patient. And obviously it paid off for him in a big way. You know, obviously defensively, this was not a great game. They had a couple of interceptions that they could have had that were dropped. Um, you know, Jonathan Abram not being able to make a play on the ball on, on that uh, touchdown pass, I think, to Damian Williams. Um, but I, I still think my biggest takeaway from this game is this is a team that suddenly has no offensive identity. I mean, I, we all know that they lost a big part of their offense when they lost Henry Ruggs, and they tried to replace it with Deshaun Jackson who will get into one of the weirdest plays I've ever seen. I don't know why he, like, it almost seemed like he declined a touchdown, but we'll get into that later. But uh, to me right now, like, suddenly there, there's no offensive identity. They can't run the ball at all. They didn't run it again today well at all. I mean, their passing game just seems very stagnant. I mean, they've got, you know, those kind of underneath passes to Hunter Renfro that, that serve some purpose, but they don't really open up the offense they don't really lead to, to a ton i just don't know what this offense is right now well for me i think a lot of it is the offensive line i mean you mentioned that they can't get the running game going and that was supposed to be the o-line strength and then i think the pass blocking has been pretty poor again today i thought it was bad last week i know some players uh, got some props last week but i thought they were pretty bad uh, pass blocking last week so i think these last two weeks to me it's been one of the major issues like you know you, it's been proven over the years that if you pressure Derek carr a lot it's not going to be good for him or for the Raiders. So I think that's been something they've focused on team building over the years, and they're really worried about that. But I think we look back at the two losses before Gruden quit, you know, the two trade losses, the old line, I thought, killed him. And again, I think that's been the main issue. And also, with, with Ruggs being gone, that's a huge absence. They haven't made up that, that deep threat. But I think the old line and the running game being uh, – invisible it makes it really hard on Derek Carr. I would say the O-line struggles have been, you know, they've had flashes here and there, but that's been pretty consistent from the start of the season. But the thing that was allowing the offense to have some success uh, when they really started clicking was, was the vertical game and, and creating those explosive plays through the air. And, you know, I mean, it's hard to downplay the loss of, of rugs when it comes to that. I mean, he, he just, he changed, you know, everything when it came, not only completing those passes, but clearing out things underneath a uh, short and intermediate game. And, we saw a little bit of that from Deshaun Jackson today. Um, you know, he, he played pretty sparingly um, in his role. You know, he just got signed, so that wasn't that surprising. But um, I, I think it's, it's very clear that it, it, it's not quite the same. And then obviously against the Giants, it, it, it was worse. I don't know if there's a way you can man, man, manufacture that. I think you know Jackson is probably their best chance of doing so. Um, but he's, he's obviously you know well past his prime, and so you know I, I don't think the O line is suddenly you know just deep into the season going to all of a sudden put it all together on the run game or so they can become a power run team again or something like that and so 
you know, as I, as I wrote tonight, it's kind of it seems like they're stuck a little bit. I don't, I don't see a lot of clear paths for them to turn this thing around offensively. Well, the run game started to look a little bit better last couple weeks or last few weeks, actually. They, they've been running the ball pretty well and moving guys off the ball. So there was some, you know, I thought there was some legit good run blocking going on. But I was pretty I think that was one of the most stunning things today, how the Kansas City Chiefs just completely. I mean, Josh Jacobs had what, like 13 yards? I mean, it, and there's just nowhere for, for him to go. So it, that was one of the more stunning things. And as far as, you know, the passing game, you know, not having rugs there obviously was very impactful. We saw that last week with the Giants. And then we kind of got a preview of how this offense could look again when Deshaun Jackson was in the game. You know, he did stretch the field, he had that big pass, even though that, you know, he, he fumbled it. So I think. There is a path for this offense to get better when Deshaun Jackson gets more integrated into this offense. But the lack of the running game, I thought, just was was the most disturbing thing I, I saw today. We saw the offense come out uh, first drive of the second half and five plays, 75 yards, a big 37-yard touchdown strike to Brian Edwards. Okay, like, this is what we had come to expect from this team. They gave up a touchdown. They're back down by 10. And and let's talk about the Deshaun Jackson play. Should have been a 57-yard touchdown. I called on the the show earlier the week. I I said he was going to have a 42-yard touchdown. That should have been a 57-yarder. And I just, what happened? I mean, obviously he didn't talk after the game. We we got Brian Edwards, Hunter Renfro talked, a couple of the other receivers. uh, And, you know, nobody's going to speak for Deshaun and kind of say what was going through his mind. But, he catches the ball, and I mean, here's a guy that that's got elite speed, still very fast for a guy who's almost 35. Catches the ball, and he's behind any Kansas City defender, and he, he turns around and like looks back and allows the defender to catch up to him, and then knock the ball out. I just I, I've never seen anything like that from a guy who's that experienced like Deshaun Jackson and who has that kind of speed that that's a guy who he knows how to to go vertical that's his job is to catch those deep passes and take it to the house and that should have been a house call yeah I mean Carr tried to shoot him some bills say he should have threw it out a little bit further but it looked like a fine throw from from what I could see you know it didn't look like he was off balance so I don't think he was worried about you know tripping and falling or anything like that you know, over the years, I think Deshaun is somebody that we've seen play around the end zone a little bit. You know, he's a guy that's dropped the ball before he's crossed the plane a couple of times and, you know, runs around a little bit maybe when he doesn't have to. So I don't know if he didn't realize how quickly the corner was closing behind him and thought he could kind of like kind of meander his way into the end zone. Um, that, that maybe could be my only thing that I, that I could think of because really there's no other explanation for him not just to continue running straight. What happened was um, the ball was tipped. If you saw the replay, the Tyron Matthew, but they t- t- tipped the ball, so he had to actually adjust to that pass. I don't think he would have scored. I think he had to adjust and get the ball as it was tipped, and then he tried to adjust and get back straight and start running. And then he saw a corner. Then he tried to redirect from the corner, and then he got caught, and then the ball got tipped away. So I, I think the ball was underthrown, and it, it should have been um, should have been thrown out a little further. Yeah, maybe Carr was right. But anyway, I mean, like, the way the defense was playing, sh- sure that, you know, for the moment it would have made it a closer game, but they seem to have no no hope of stopping the Chiefs passing game. So I know it's a lot of shit on Deshaun Jackson right now. Like, I don't, I don't know how much of a difference that would have made in the outcome of this one. Maybe it's, you know, 41-21 instead of 41-14. to 
Sacha called it a turning point. I think that was a, a big stretch. I don't think it was. I mean, I, I have no idea what he was doing, Deshaun. I think maybe uh, he's rusty or maybe the lights got to him. Or, like, I, don't, I mean, he froze. I have no idea. But uh, it was ugly. And it was definitely a huge uh, missed opportunity. But like Deshaun said, they, they, I mean, they couldn't stop the Chiefs' offense. And even, even their offense, I think that was kind of more of a, you know, kind of a Hail Mary than it was really a great uh, play or a drive. So I, I think it was kind of a, not that big a deal in, in the major scheme of things. I think it may, may be more of an impact just in terms of like getting Deshaun, you know, integrated in that offense. I mean, if his first catch as a Raider is a 57 yard touchdown, you could see that may, that would maybe get him going a little bit more instead of his first catch as a Raider being a what the fuck moment. It's a 57 yard touchdown. And, and suddenly he's like, boom, okay, I'm part of this offense. Um, instead of spending the next week, you know, with everybody crapping on him on, on social media. So that, that could maybe be a little bit more of the bigger impact. It's like just kind of how Deshaun Jackson gets integrated going forward. But I mean, he's a pro, he's a veteran. Um, he's bounced back from, as you said, weird things in the past. So he'll bounce back from this, but still it was just, uh, it, it was a strange play. Yeah, I think it'll be fine. I, mean, I was looking on his Instagram. He's posting a nice plate of food at home. He was already back home and he, he, he'll get over this one. But uh, yeah, I made mean, the defense. It was just, you know, even though I picked the Chiefs to win, I just didn't I didn't think that they would just get worn out like this. I mean, the pass rush was, was the worst it had been all season, according to True Media. They only pressured Patrick Mahomes about 12% of the time. He did do a little bit of running around and, and ad-libbing out there, but for the most part, he had a clean pocket, even though you know they, they didn't have a much success running the ball on an efficiency basis. You knew that the Chiefs were probably passing. They had a pretty high pass rate today, and, and the pass rush, you know, really for one of the few times this season, wasn't able to... Uh, create much of an impact and that's you know super surprising considering the Chiefs were on their third string right tackle and and you know that pretty much set up the, the secondary to get picked apart um, since, since he had so much time to throw and so yeah I, th- I think that's you know more so than the, the offense or even the Deshaun stuff just how bad the defense looked just really stood out to me and you know it may be a one game anomaly given you know that their past defense had been really strong up to this point um, maybe this isn't something that continues moving forward but definitely startled me a little bit. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You know, Another thing that could have been a, a turning point is when the Raiders had scored the first drive of the third quarter and uh, Max Crosby gets that stop for a one-yard loss on first down and then decides to, to body slam the ball carrier. And, you know, he, you could tell that he had been frustrated all night. I know, you know, every Raider fan on Twitter is, is going to you know spend pretty much every game complaining about how often Max Crosby gets held and how they don't get called. And Max can get frustrated by that kind of stuff. Man, it seemed like he let out a little bit of frustration on that play. I know he didn't want to get into that after the game, but that play was huge, too. I mean, it was got a, a nice play made on, by your defense on first down. It's a three-point game at that t- point. Your offense got a little momentum going. If you could get a stop there, get the ball back, maybe the game could turn in your favor. Um, but that was uh, that was an opportunity, and, and Max kind of let his frustration get the best of him. Yeah, and shoot, before that, Casey Hayward dropped the interception that would have been really deep in Chiefs territory, and that would have been an opportunity for him to flip the momentum and then potentially get a score on offense there. And so that combination between those two plays, I mean, it was a series of bad plays for the defense, but that that particular kind of stretch right there really stood out. If you watch the Chiefs, and I I had to watch it every Chiefs snap because I you know I, I've been writing about them. Like there was a lot of turnover luck stuff that happened with them. You know, after a while, you just assume all right, this is this is going to keep happening because it just kept on happening over and over again where they had just really bad turnover luck, and I think it all kind of just like reversed on the Raiders today because they had their opportunities to get those turnovers. Like you said, there were some 50-50 balls like that Darrell Williams one that got caught. So it, it kind of just all reversed on the Raiders. I'm not overly, overly concerned with the defense. And also, I really don't really feed into the whole, you know, Raider fans complaining about penalties things because I think it's way over overblown. But, you know, I do think they have a case with some of the Crosby holds like especially on that fourth and one from the goal line where he got tackled in a backfield and there was no call so uh, you know I could definitely see why Crosby was frustrated because there, there was a lot of grabbing going on with him on the on the right side over there even on the, on the sequence they showed on tv they showed the, the battle between him and uh and the Chiefs uh, line they were giving the Chiefs line a lot of praise but even on those plays they highlighted those two or three holds I thought so I think you're right I think there was a, some definitely some missed calls but Again, not the reason they lost tonight. I mean, they didn't. I thought they, I mean, I asked Derek this. I thought they looked tight. I thought the Chiefs came out loose. I thought the way, my, my opinion, they, they looked tight to me. Derek wasn't sure. He said no at first. He thought about it. I was like, yeah, maybe I'll think about it. But I thought their whole body language coming out was, was not good. I just thought the Chiefs came out with nothing to lose. And the Raiders, I thought they played tight. I also think the coaching matchup was a big, uh, a big route by the Chiefs. So, um, yeah, a lot from this game will not uh, will not sit well with the team and with with fans, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, so the Raiders. This was an opportunity to move into sole possession in the first place. The Chargers lost earlier in the day. The the Broncos had lost, and instead, the team that we wanted to bury, like you said, uh, the, the Chiefs. Now they're six and four. They've stumbled and bumbled through this season. The last two weeks, they did not look great in beating the Giants and then the Packers uh, without Aaron Rodgers. But the AFC West has just kind of regressed down to them and has allowed the Chiefs to come back and move back into first place. If you're the Raiders, if you're a Raiders fan, you know, you've seen this story now too often. Uh, they were 5-2 and two a couple weeks ago. You look at 
Last year they were six and three. The year before five and three. I mean, they just they they get off to these good starts, and at some point around this time of the year is when they start falling apart. Their car, it's it's kind of the broken record. I don't, you know, this team's better. We have better players. We're built for this. Prove it, right? We're three or four times this close to big plays. Zay Jones would have had a huge day if I had not been off my spot and I didn't get pressured. Uh, yeah, we've heard these things before, so I think. Um, a lot of reasons to worry. And again, like tonight, like uh, it's like I've never seen Travis Kelsey before. Like who's Travis? Like, they have no idea who Travis Kelsey is. They, and, like, they don't. It just amazes me how they have no plans. Besides what the plan was and where it went wrong, you see how the check with Gus. But um, I just think it uh, to me. I mentioned, I mentioned the major questions I have. Like one, you have by now through all these years, you have to have some kind of plan against him against Travis Kelsey. They did one game, one game that uh, well, we've seen them play against was, Travis Kelsey. They had Bruce a plan. Game. Bruce Irvin knocked off the last scrimmage got in his head. That was your right. That was the one game where they got in his head. But otherwise, they have no idea what to do with him. And then for me, it's frustrating to watch them. I'm sure it's for fans. And when they can't stop Travis Kelsey, there's whatever he wants. And they have Darren Waller, but they can't do with him the same things. Like for some reason, they can't do – to the Chiefs with Darren Waller, with the Chiefs do to them with Travis Kelsey. I think to me, that's a major, a major question that people have to ask. Why, why are you wasting Darren Waller's talent? Yeah, and I think you know when it comes to the team being better, I don't. It may have been on paper to start the season, but with all these injuries. I mean, like this is Alec Engle went down on a special teams play today, and is believed that he has a torn ACL, according to a report by the NFL Network that we we confirmed, and then uh, Jalen Richard got hurt, cracked ribs, and had to be taken to the hospital, and. They already had a bunch of guys on IR, obviously, you know, losing rugs for different reasons. They, they're taking a hit personnel-wise, and you know, as you get later in the season, you know, you might be able to overcome some of that stuff early in the year, but eventually not having that depth catches up to you at some point. And it seems like, you know, that, that may be starting to happen a little bit. And so, you know, this is the third straight year. You know, through nine games, they've had a winning record. And uh, it's just really hard to, to fault fans for, especially after it happened twice in a row, not to think that it's coming again. Uh, particularly coming off of a, a loss like this at home against a Chiefs team that had looked pretty vulnerable coming into this one. I'll give besides you that he didn't use the injuries as an excuse. I mean, if it was Gruden, he would have mentioned Engold and Richard right off the bat, like, well, we lost Engold and Richard, and that's why we lost the game. And I just think the excuses kind of got the better of him at times. But um, you're right, definitely they, they start to pile up, and the depth has been surprisingly good so far. Uh, can that hold up? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they've their injuries are like, anything abnormal for I mean yeah losing incognito hurts but I mean that's like you kind of you can't go into a season expecting a 38 year old you lose a right guard I don't see their injuries as being like an well they have Denzel good too so you, you lose two starting offensive linemen when you make this big push in the youth movement and your other three starters are pretty young guys the rug uh, situation and then you know start it's rug situation it's your best receiver probably uh you know, Trayvon Mullen, you know, one of your best defensive players, he's out. Uh, Alec Ingold, like, that changes, like, you know, their personnel. I mean, Nick, Nick Morrow, you give Nick Morrow uh, $5 million. Yeah, Nick, Nick Morrow was going to be a starting linebacker. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's pretty substantial, I would say. Like, I don't, you know, it's, it feels like it it's starting to make an impact. Um, it's not the re- of course, it's, it's not the only reason, but when you're in a division that, you know, we see how tight the AFC West is, you're losing several starters like that. I mean, that could be the difference. As for me, like, I've seen so many teams that lose, like, 
guys that are like among their top five players on the team and they haven't lost anybody of that caliber so i guess that's i see i see enough i see enough injuries on other teams that it's like i mean they yeah i mean they they're kind of i i would imagine at league average in terms of injuries lost and in, in kind of impact of injuries and uh you know um I, don't know. I mean, I'm not like dismissing it. You injuries. kind of are. You kind I just, of are. I don't like to use injuries. Kind of are. Kind of are. I, 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 I mean, you kind of are. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I, I just every team knows that you're going to have injuries going into the season, and so I don't think they've suffered a, enough injuries that they can just say like, oh, blame this season on injuries. Like, nah, you got to build your team to be able to withstand it. And I, and if you lose a quarterback, if you lose, you know, a top tackle your best edge rusher you know then I, I start feeling bad for you a little bit i don't they're not at the point yet where i feel bad for them in terms of the injuries that they've had do you mean like what two two more guys get hurt three more well, I'm, I'm, I'm like... <laughs> lose a top lose one of your five right. best players then then maybe right, i'll start feeling your, bad for you they there's, there's a headline lose the guy quit they're not feeling bad for you this team is not elite they're not ready to be in that elite group yet but there's probably still an avenue for them to be, you know, a playoff team, you know, but they're just not in that realm of top tier teams that can overcome those injuries, can hang with the Chiefs, you know, and they're just not there. So, you know, there's a bunch of reasons for that. You know, they've missed pretty badly on those first round picks and yeah, they're just not there. But the goal should be playoffs. And I think that's still doable especially with the way the AFC set up right now. Here's one thing, like, you know, Vic, you kind of said, okay, like, if, if they make the playoffs, you know, you could see him running it back with Basaccia, Mayock, bring it all back. To me, if that's the case, if I'm a Raiders fan and I look at the Raiders finishing 10-7, and kind of, you know, going up and down here and there, making the playoffs, and then, okay, yeah, we're going to run things back. I don't know that that, that that excites me. To me, I think this team needs a, a refresh or restart and that's why I almost feel like them making the playoffs might be bad if that just means that you're gonna still just run everything back and you might have a low ceiling team she'd rather not make the playoffs don't bring Masaccio back don't bring Mayak back don't give Derek Carr the extension and start from scratch I would probably still bring back Derek Carr but yeah, you gotta pay him. That brings back. I mean, you gotta. You I gotta I, I think it all depends on who who can you find. If you can find a coach that you feel like this guy can work well with Carr and can kind of bring it out. If you can find a real a offensive innovator, that kind of thing. I, I'm not saying dump Derek Carr, but I just I feel like I mean, you see what's happened with these drafts. You see where where this team is at, and I just I I think they need they need a fresh start. I think they need a new direction. Um, I could see that new direction still including Derek Carr. But I don't know that like bringing back Basaja, bringing back Mayock is the way to go. I think I agree with Jimmy in a sense that if you see this team get thoroughly outcoached like this on a on a consistent basis, like this happens three or four more times during the season, and even if they make a play the playoffs, but you have stinkers like this, then you might want to consider moving on because you don't want to be stuck in this limbo. Yeah, I've seen an argument made with like Vic Fangio and the, and the Broncos, like you know. If they do make the playoffs and he keeps his job because of that, it might just keep the franchise kind of stagnant. Um, I'm not sure those are these are obviously different situations, um, but yeah, I mean, like even if they do make the playoffs, I mean, do we do we think we're, they're beating, they're going on a run or something like that? You know what I mean? So if you're a one and done, 
Um, it, it's more about, I think, for, for the Raiders, because, you know, they're all going to say, obviously, they want to contend and, and you know, go for a Super Bowl this year. But, that, you know, realistically, it's probably not going to happen. So it's more so about having somebody that you feel confident moving forward with for the next, you know, three, four or five years, not just this one individual season. I saw somebody throw out Steve Belichick out there for <laughs> Las Vegas. <laughs> that that the guy that looked like he was like, like, wow. Yes, the dude that was just going crazy oh, lizard yeah, chum. Not. <laughs> nah, nah, we good. We good. <sighs> this is going to be an interesting final eight games. His season has gone on such a roller coaster. You know, three game winning streak, two game losing streak, two game winning streak, two game losing streak. Who knows what's going to happen next, but I feel like next Sunday against the Bengals has to be considered a must win. Ooh, a must win. Wow. With the Cowboys on Thanksgiving coming up, they lose to the Bengals. I can see a four-game losing streak uh, as they enter December, so I don't know. We'll see, but we'll obviously have plenty of time later this week to get into that matchup and get into the importance of that game and see how the Raiders can bounce back. But um, as Deshaun wrote, the Raiders are in trouble. But if they beat the Bengals and the Cowboys, they're back. Ooh. So as Deshaun wrote, the Raiders are in trouble. As Vic wrote, shame on me. Right, Vic? <laughs> I believe, man. I fell. I fell for the old, uh, the old trick again. Had a double-digit victory, dominating. They were the better team. But I tell you what, though, I knew right away I was wrong. I told the shine in the first quarter. I'm like, yeah. I said, I was dead wrong. I, mean, I didn't wait for the third quarter. First quarter, I'm like, I'm done. That was a bad, bad pick. Uh, He's like, no, it's too early. No, it's, it's over. I'm, I lost that one. Yeah, I'll give him credit. I was wrong. He did, he did uh, concede it very quickly. <laughs> I, I threw the, the white uh, flag up there early. I was like, whoa, this is not good. But, uh, yeah, I, I think like it's a week-to-week league. We're all going to overreact to this game. But, uh Definitely some troubling uh, signs that uh, you hope don't uh, lead to another slump, another uh, collapse. But uh, like, well, we'll have to wait and see. All right. Well, that'll wrap up our post-game edition of State of the Nation. We'll be back later this week to get you ready for the Raiders taking on Cincinnati Bengals. And we'll wait to see what research Ted Wynn is able to bring to us when we talk to you later this week. I need four days for this type of research. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe. Later. All right. Adios. I think there's a little bit of a warm sensation on his bum right now, probably, I think. (laughs) Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.